the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We hear in Psalm 78 this morning, and indeed in the entire narrative of Scripture, the importance of telling our children the great works of God. Children have a special place in the heart of God. Uh, There is no doubt, indeed, in Jesus' ministry, we have the wonderful story of people bringing their children to the Lord in order that he might bless them. And the disciples saying, uh, get your children out of here. Uh, My grandfather would tell of his grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, who would, every time the kids, his grandchildren, would come over to his house, he would tell them that children were to be seen and not heard. What what a wonderful grandfather. Uh, And uh, the disciples felt a little bit like that. And yet Jesus said, do not prevent them from coming to me, for to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. And it's not just children. Indeed, I think at Peter's restoration after denying the Lord, where Jesus said to him, Peter, feed my lambs. I think he's talking about children, and even children in the faith, those who have come to faith newly, regardless of their age, uh, but are young in their spiritual journey. And those are the ones that God is telling us to declare the mighty works of the Lord to. It has been rightly said that God does not have grandchildren. He has sons and daughters. Sons and daughters by faith, through adoption, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is up to every successive generation to discover anew the wonder and glory and awe of his majesty and grace towards his children. Indeed, the Bible tells us that the primary mode of evangelism, of how people come to faith, is a family. Is the family. One of the most startling statistics that I often come across is that nearly 90% of people who claim the Christian faith say that they became Christians before they turned 18 years old. Almost 90% had an encounter with Jesus Christ before they were 18 years old. And so, telling our children about the gospel And the person and work of Jesus Christ is of paramount importance. God bless the individuals who are called to such a high and important ministry. But this is really hard work. It's intimidating to share our faith with anybody, much less our children. And I think one of the reasons why it's so hard to share our faith with our kids is because they live with us. They see us. They know us. Uh, They know us through and through. And so it's difficult to share the faith and you feel a little bit duplicitous. And and it feels often awkward. Like how do you possibly fit Jesus into a conversation uh, about anything? And yet other things are really easy to talk about with our children. It is very easy in this state to make our children disciples of Alabama or Auburn football. And someone told me that. They said, well, I can talk about that to them. That's really easy. And I was like, but is it always easy? Do you you remember Mike Shula? Do you remember Auburn season in 2012? Was it easy? Easy? Well, you know. uh, But uh, with with our kids, it's, it's, it's different. 
And it's hard. And yet we hear in God's word in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 6, the recipe for sharing the gospel with our children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I commanded you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. Often when I talk to parents who are about to have their children baptized or or godparents, I go over the vows with them. You know, will you be responsible for saying that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? And will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? And I ask them, well, how are you going to do that? And inevitably, inevitably, they say, well, I'll bring them to church. And that's right and that's good, uh, but it's not like just simply bringing your kids to church that they're going to become Christian, like they're going to catch Christianity like it's the flu, right? That somehow they'll get infected in the bug. And in fact, my parents' generation, uh, they had this wonderful method of evangelism, and that is my grandparents would pull the car up to the church, kick them out, and then they'd go have breakfast and coffee. And when Sunday school was over, they would pull back around and pick them up. And so uh, it's no wonder that that really didn't work. And it shows that the adage is true. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. But I asked the parents, well, first off, let me just say this. One, you have a call on your life to instill in your children the faith in Jesus Christ. But when you take that vow, what is your response? I will, with God's help. More than a response, it's, it's really a prayer, isn't it? That you're saying, I will do this to the best of my ability, but ultimately I know that my children are in God's hands. And if they are going to come to faith, it's going to be in the same way I came to faith, by a move of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that God raises up individuals in their lives to sow the seeds of the gospel and to talk to them about Jesus' love and great work on the cross and as being raised from the dead for them. And so we respond, I will, with God's help. But what does it look like to model a Christian life in your own household? Most of us probably think, It's about being on your A-game. You know, you want your children to catch you praying and doing good things and being sweet. But again, they live with you. And so the best way to model the Christian faith in the home is not just hearing about what Jesus has done for them, but also seeing it. And I'm not talking about holiness of life. I'm saying... That your children need to see you as as you are. They need to see that you too are a sinner saved by grace. And that is really hard to do. Because it's hard to be vulnerable and transparent with your children. To say to them, I'm sorry. I blew it in this instance. Will you forgive me? When your children overhear you fighting with your spouse, to be able to go to them and say... I'm selfish, and I don't want to be this way. Help me pray to be the man or the woman of God that he's called me to be. That authenticity 
is what children need to see. They don't need an example. They need a Savior. And so modeling that grace in the home is what we're talking about when we talk about bringing children and witnessing to them and helping them to grow into the full stature of Christ. Gospel reenactment there in the home. Now some families have a wonderful devotion where they'll get up in the morning and have family Bible study. If I woke my family up early in the morning and said, come gather around me, it is time for me to disciple you. They would either laugh at me or kill me. Or both. Or both. Uh, but indeed, in my family, everybody is, is different. And so I had this pressure of, I'm going to be a dutiful Christian. I have to gather my family for specific times of prayer and Bible study. When, for you, it might be one of your children just going for a walk with them. And talking about what the Lord is doing in their life. Uh, Lauren and I mostly spend the evening before we are about to lie down and go to sleep. We we talk to one another, and I'll be, we don't have like these long prayer sessions, and sometimes it simply starts with, Lord, bless us in spite of ourselves. Amen. Good night. Uh, but everybody's different. And finding that way and not feeling the pressure to fit into a certain mold, but again, above all, modeling God's grace to a broken and fallen world to our children. Our psalmist this morning says, We will recount to generations to come the praiseworthy deeds and the power of the Lord and the wonderful works He has done. Simply telling your children the old, old story of Jesus and His love. Pure and simple. Well, how do you fit it in? Sometimes God uses us, indeed, in spite of ourselves. And I'm always shocked when it happens. Uh, In this week, uh, I want you to know that my children are now approaching the line where I'm not allowed to tell stories about them. Uh, And so this may be the last one, and then I'll just say it's somebody else's kids, but I really mean mine. Uh, (laughs) This week, I I came home. The sitter had told me that they'd already had a snack, and when I walked through the door after the sitter told me that on the way out, uh, I was approached and immediately harangued for a snack of vanilla wafers, and I said, look here, you little liars. Uh, I know that you've had a snack, and the oldest, of course, the lawyer, uh, says, well, that was candy, and that really doesn't count. And I said, well, indeed it does, but I'll tell you what. Uh, we, don't, we try not to do if-then in our house. If you do this, then this, because that's action consequence, and that's not the gospel. But in some areas, it's perfectly fine. Like, if you eat your dinner, you can have a treat. That's perfect. No one ends up on some psychiatrist's couch when they're 35 saying, my parents made me eat all my dinner. (laughs) Right? Uh, So we do that, and one child in particular, she was just awful. When I said you can't have the vanilla wafers now, she collapsed and was bawling, and then we had to have a conversation about what it means to be spoiled and and, and thinking that you're entitled to everything. And then uh, as the night progressed, she did not improve. And then her other two sisters, they cleaned their plates. Uh, The middle one not only didn't eat, but complained about it the whole time. And so at the end of the meal, when it came time for the evening distribution of the vanilla wafers, uh, normally they line up according to age. I make it sound like we're the Von Trapp family, but we're not. And uh, I noticed that this one was not in order. She lagged all the way in the back. And so as they approached, I gave the ones who had eaten their dinner their allotment of vanilla wafers. 
And the young, well, let's just leave it at that. The one who was at the last came up, and uh, she had tears in her eyes. And I said, girl, did you eat your dinner? And based on your behavior, do you think that you deserved these cookies? And she was undone. I mean, she was inconsolable, sighing. Not, not antagonistic, not angry, but, but broken, knowing that she was a mess. And God intervened. It certainly wasn't me because my propensity was to say, too bad for you. Uh, but I took two vanilla wafers and I got down on the floor with her and I placed them in her hand and I said, that you might remember that your daddy doesn't deserve God's grace, that he abuses it, and he doesn't treat Jesus very nicely, but that you might taste and see that the Lord is good. Here are some cookies. She was very confused. (laughs) And that's the right response. It is confusing. The grace of God turns the world on its ear. It doesn't make sense. And yet that is how God works. And we do the best that we can, but we put our faith and trust in the same Holy Spirit who brought us to faith in Jesus. And we see their little lives transformed. We never ever take for granted the power of God in the lives of the little ones. But to those of you who little ones who had little ones who are now big ones, or to those of you who do not have children, for the empty nesters, never underestimate the power of God to save your child. Do not underestimate the seeds of the gospel that you have sown in their lives, and that the Holy Spirit will water them and bring them to fruition by God's mercy. And continue to pray for your children, because they will always be your children. To those of you who do not have children, we ask a vow in our baptismal service. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons in their life in Christ? And we respond with one voice, we will. In our tradition, every single one of you are godparents to that child who is being baptized into the faith of the church. And so tell them the story of Jesus Christ and his great love for them. The story of God, who became flesh, died, and was raised from the dead in order that they might be saved. That which we have heard and known and what our forefathers have told us, we will not hide from our children. We will recount to generations to come the praiseworthy deeds and the power of the Lord and the wonderful works he has done. We will, with God's help. Amen.